Now, many people believe that Jesus died on a cross or a tree, he was nailed to it, and he died at the crucifixion. But what if he didn't? What if he didn't die, but actually lived on after the crucifixion? What effect would that have, not only on the Christian church, but all religion in a kind of domino effect? That's what I'm going to be diving into in this episode. Hi, I'm Jerry Sadler. Welcome to the Punk Living Journal, the podcast which is raising awareness about living in a more unified, peaceable, nurturing, cooperative way so that we can enjoy life and get on with life and keep having food for thought ideas to make life richer. So, back in 1917, Three young shepherd children, I think one was a boy, two were girls, uh, were girls had a vision of uh, the Virgin Mary. And as a result of that, one of them, Lucia, who became Sister Lucia, wrote down what they were told and they became like prophecies. The first of those was well, was, was uh, talking about the rise of communism and how that would start. And that actually happened some 25 <laughs> days later, so that was pretty accurate. The second one that uh, really got media attention was about the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, and therefore also the collapse of the German Democratic Republic and the Soviet Union. And the third one, that's con that has created a lot of controversy because apparently it's supposed to depict the end of the church. It's supposed to prophesy the end of the church, the Christian church in particular, the Roman Catholic church, and it's supposed to give a date when this would happen. So the Roman Catholic church is a far, far cry from the original church when Jesus was about and he had his followers, his 12 disciples and other followers and so on. It started to change back in 300 and something, was it? In, in the late 4th century, the middle of 4th century, when the Bibles we know today was canonised. Uh, it was sorted out in the format that we know now. And the church became a state religion because of the Roman emperor at that time on his deathbed. Uh, uh, turned to Christianity. So it started getting wealthy, it started getting a lot of uh, attention, it started to become more popular around the world and it, it's grown into the behemoth that it is today you could say. I mean, as I've mentioned before you've got the Vatican City which is a city-state within a country, the country of Italy. And I always find that amazing. But, however, the prophecy from Sister Lucia predicts the downfall of this particular church and it's based on a prophecy, or prophecy by the, the prophet of Malachi. Now Malachi is one of the lesser prophets as, the, as they're called. It's a smaller prophet, in other words he wasn't a big name like Jeremiah or Isaiah or Ezekiel. Uh, he's a smaller prophet and in his 
book that's written in the Bible, or contained in the Bible, in chapter 2, it talks about how God is going to turn his attention to all the, the priests and so on, because of all the lies and the abuse that they've been carrying out. And that's certainly, when you look at today, that certainly fits in with all the different scandals that have been going on, not just in the Roman Catholic Church, but in, in uh, other uh, denominations as well, uh, in the Protestant side of things, uh, in, in Jehovah's Witnesses, in, in Pentecostals, everybody. They've all had their fair share of scandal of one kind or another. So that's that prophecy, and that's what apparently this, this uh, girl at that time wrote down, Sister Lucia, she, she became, from Fatima in Portugal. And as a result of all these prophecies, I mean, Fatima's turned into basically a, a, I don't know, what would you call it? A religious supermarket? You go there, it's wall-to-wall -wall souvenir shops of all kinds of different artefacts and, and relics, and well, pretend relics or whatever, but souvenirs anyway. You can get bottles of, or little vials of holy water you know, and things like this, and you know, all kinds of, of statues and so on. It, it's, it's become a massive touristic pilgrimage centre. You know, and it's, it's made not only that town, but also the church as a result of that, quite wealthy in that region. But how does this affect these prophecies? How does it affect the church? Because if that last prophecy, apparently there's four, I'm not sure what the other, uh, the fourth one was, but apparently there's four prophecies. Uh, but the third one anyway, the church are denying that it's anything to do with the downfall of the church. They say it was something else. They say that they've released all the papers that she wrote and so on. But there's some controversy about that. There's conspiracies about that, that there's more that the church aren't revealing and things like that. Uh, and it could well be, we don't know. But they're saying that there's some unpublished papers and, and uh, certain things like that as well. And like I said, it could, that could well be the situation. Another prophecy, though, is contained at the end of the Bible. And that's in the... the uh, book of Revelation and you've got the various warnings there and in chapter 18 it's talking about the downfall of Babylon the Great. Now Babylon the Great is seen by some, especially Jehovah's Witnesses, as being the, the church of today, Christendom of today. That the way it's been acting and so on it's going it's to have a, a massive downfall. It's going to fall completely you know from from grace and so on and we've already seen elements of that so certain countries around the world have stopped having a state religion in the sense of they no longer have a say in the, the politics of the particular country we've also seen in recent times the the rise of communism in certain areas of the world or indeed just apathy you know and Pagan religions, what are classed as pagan religions or natural religions, are on the rise as well. Jehovah's Witnesses also say that at some point, based on, on, the, on the, the writings in Revelation, that at some point the United Nations, which, which they depict as that mighty many-headed beast that comes up out of the water, out of the sea, 
They say that the United Nations will put a stop to all world religion. They'll put a ban on it. They'll prevent it from uh, any of the, the, the religions from meeting, having meeting places, whether it's temples or whether it's churches or whether it's just halls. And people will not be allowed to gather together to worship. That is their view. You know, and uh, I could see, <laughs> to be honest, I could see that happening, the way things are going, especially with all the terrorism and so on that's been going on and the, the so anti-democratic feeling and so on. Certainly not very unifying in, in that sense. But the question is, here's the thing, what role does Jesus play in all of this? You know, what if, as I mentioned at the, the outset, the so-called Messiah or the Saviour isn't going to turn up? You know, because many believe, especially Pentecostals and so on, they believe that Jesus is going to come on a cloud or, or whatever way and save the world and take them and anybody else who, who's, you know, who's uh, worshipping Jesus or, or God or whatever up to heaven you know, and to live forever in glory and destroy the rest. There is a growing consensus of opinion that Jesus didn't die on the cross or the tree, whatever it was. And even Jehovah's Witnesses, in their own way, they haven't come out directly and said that. Uh, I don't believe that they believe that. No, they, they believe that Jesus did die. And they believe that he's uh, the son of God and so on and went up to heaven and he will return. But perhaps not in the way that others depict. But what they do say, and I always, always found this a little bit strange, is when Jesus was crucified, apparently, he was nailed to the cross, okay? So you had nails in the palm of his hands and then a nail was put through his crossed ankles okay or a couple of nails maybe but crucially his legs weren't broken other prisoners who were crucified on that day weren't nailed to the cross they were tied okay so that was the normal practice they were tied and their legs were broken uh, and they eventually died, whether it's of a hunger or whether, whatever it was. And further research has shown that on that hill, was it Calvary, the crowds were kept away from the crucifixion centre, where, where everything was taking place. In that they were still there, but they were at quite a distance away, so they couldn't see exactly what was going on. The only people allowed nearby, especially to Jesus, were his mother, Mary Magdalene, and uh, one or two trusted people like Joseph of Arimathea, who was his uncle. And it was to Joseph's, Joseph's tomb that Jesus was taken. And apparently then, you know, the angels took hold of him and, and took up to heaven and so on. But here's the thing. Apparently, Joseph was very high up within the Jewish world and had very important connections with the Roman government. And as we know from the Bible account, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, wasn't keen on 
having Jesus killed. And that was also on the advice of his wife. They didn't want him killed. He didn't want to give that order. So he forced, apparently, the Jews to make that decision. But they weren't keen on that either because it was so close to, you know, it was the Passover time and so on, and they, it was so close to, to uh, a time when they weren't allowed to have anybody killed or, or give that kind of order. And also another point is when the body was taken down, in one particular painting, you know, uh, I can't remember the name of the artist, but in one particular painting, it was depicted as at night with a full moon, which would have been against the Jewish law. I think, that, I think the artist was part of the esoteric movement in, in the 50s, 60s, sometime along that line. So the, the theory is, or the conspiracy if you like, or the theory, is that Jesus was actually lifted down from the cross, or the tree, I think there's probably a cross of some kind, carried to the tomb, treated and revived. So some believe that you know, uh, the, the so-called vinegar that he was given you know, to drink or whatever was some kind of sedative. Yeah, so that Joseph and the, and the Romans had struck a deal. So he was given some kind of sedative and then the poking aside from the spear was to see, you know, it, it wasn't like fatal or anything like that. It was just to see if there was any reaction. Because it was shortly after that that he was declared dead. That he had uh, said his famous words, Father, why have you forsaken me? And then uh, maybe more for effect than anything else. And then apparently passed on, passed away. So then the story goes on and says, okay, he was taken back to the tomb. The stone was rolled across. Yeah, and then Mary Magdalene went next morning and uh, the body was gone. But there's three guys there, apparently angels, who told Mary, tell the others that Jesus has risen. Perpetuating that story. This is where it starts getting a little bit weird. Yes, he was probably, let's say he was alive at that time. But then he was seen a little while later, wasn't he, walking on the road. He was seen in the garden. Where, where the grave was. He spoke to Mary. She didn't recognize him at first until he spoke. Maybe they had changed his appearance in some way, maybe cut his hair or shaved his beard or something like that. So she didn't fully recognize him. And it was like early morning as well, so maybe in the gloom and so on, but she recognized his voice. And that's when she went and told Peter and the rest of them. Later on, he met others on the road. He appeared to the 12 apostles and even to Thomas, the, the unbeliever, and, uh, and then, and then uh, showed him the wounds and things like that and you know, it helped him to, to kind of perpetuate that story. Yes, this was the Jesus. You know, it was supposed to have been crucified and so on. But then again, then again, you know, you always get some edits in the background, don't you? And then again, what if he had been smuggled away? That's what the story says. He's been smuggled away. He and Mary were smuggled out of Israel and then ended up in the south of France, in Marseille. And this is important as well because in Marseille, there was the strongest or the largest Jewish community outside of Israel. And also Pontius Pilate had a villa there. 
So, that would make sense. And in that area today, there's still a lot of uh, churches and that around devoted or dedicated to Mary Magdalene. There's a strong cult, if you like, for Mary Magdalene. Now, and she purported to have come ashore with a child, so her and Jesus are supposed to have been partners, and there seems to be some evidence of that. And they had a child together, which apparently was a daughter, who then married into the French nobility, and that led to the Davidic bloodline being continued, albeit on the French side, and whether it's not clear whether that was continuing uh, in the Semitic side or whether that was on the Gentile side or anything like that. But yeah, so that's the kind of story. But what if that was true? What if Jesus hadn't died? How would that affect Christianity? Now obviously that would show, you know, that, that would certainly undermine Christianity in that sense. It wouldn't destroy it completely because, like I said in the previous episode, I do believe that Jesus was a great healer, he was a great teacher and so on. But it certainly caused great division within the church, you know, Roman Catholic, Protestant and so on. And I think that would bring the whole of Christendom down, as it were. You know, in that sense, it may even cause revolt, you know, maybe even cause violence of some kind. And that would be why you know, maybe the UN would step in and uh, start talking about dissolving churches and so on. That's a possibility. You know, and if that was the case, that kind of that prophecy then would indeed come true. The other thing is they're talking about the resurrection or the, the return of Jesus. It's supposed to be like two thousand years, you know, in an expectant return. In my mind that would probably be two thousand and thirty three, as in two thousand years after his death, if he is to return at all. Or perhaps another Christ-like figure will arise and become that Messiah if that's what's going to happen. But if religion isn't around because the knock-on effect of Christendom going and the billions who support or you know, follow that religion, if they're not around what's going to happen? Because the other religions then will maybe question things in their beliefs that perhaps may be true or untrue and so on. But we don't know. It's all pure speculation. It's all pure speculation as said. Yeah, and complete theory, complete conspiracy perhaps you want to look at it that way. It's up to you. I just think it's a great story. I just think it's a great story and, and I could see the possibilities of there being elements of truth in that. I would like to think that it was true, to be honest, because that would be a really fascinating piece of history, wouldn't it? Well, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Let me know. You know, in show notes, you've got ways you can contact me and get in touch with me. Let's have a talk about it. Let's have a chat about it, discussion, whatever. And you can tell me that, that I'm talking rubbish or perhaps you agree with me, whatever. I don't care. You know, let's have a talk about it. Let's have a chat. All I'm doing is playing my role as a layman philosopher, as I like to call myself. 
I'm not, I'm not a trained philosopher or anything like that. These are just my thoughts, my observations. That's what this podcast show is all about as well. So I hope you enjoyed that and I look forward to speaking with you again very soon.